Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Good morning and good morning and good morning again and again. (laughs) Thanks be to God to being here today. I'm so grateful to be here. I haven't been here in quite a while. Um, I was saying to everyone that I used to do the worship service with Jan Hus when you were working with them when they were having their feeding program and I would come up here and do a worship service right around that font. So it's great to be back with you again. I'm Reverend Derek McQueen from St. James Presbyterian Church at 141st Street and St. Nicholas Avenue in the village of Harlem. We say the village of Harlem because we like to make this city more familiar and we say that this is nothing more than a collection of villages so that we can all get to know one another and not be separated in this megalith, monolith of a city. So thanks be to God. Thank you for having me and thank you for being with me. I am honored to be here. I was telling this to John earlier. We are the connectional church as the Presbyterian Church. And yet, Stewardship Sunday and talking about money (laughs) is something that we like to keep to ourselves. And we like to talk about it in our community, in our families, and we very rarely um, celebrate and share the gift of what stewardship is so that your invitation to us here at St. James and our members that are here and those who are watching on my Zoom up there and listening on the Zoom, we are so grateful that you have opened your doors to us and let us share in this moment with you. This is a great time for the church. Every single year, stewardship is a new time. It's a new season, and it's a new day. So we are here at the dawn of yet another reformed creation for yet another year of giving, and thanks be to God. Let us hear our scripture for the day. Our scripture for the day is taken from Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I think a bulletin says verses 3 through 19. 3 through 12 to 17. That's because I'm going to go back to that in my sermon for one reason. I'll tell you about that later. So... Thanks be to God, let us read our scripture. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and Be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God and whatever you do in word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is our reading, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I was going through these scriptures and doing Bible study with our community this week, I was trying to figure out what in the world would I preach about today? After all, you all have been thinking about stewardship for a while. You have a great theme for your stewardship season. Now is the time. You have picked a beautiful scripture, verses 12 and 14, from the pericope from which I just read. And then I went back in the scripture because as a New Testament person, very often, I'm very, very cautious and very inquisitive about going back in the text and seeing what the context might be. That's why I was saying I was going to go back to verse 9 and verse 10. When we talk about dressing ourselves and clothing ourselves with love and clothing ourselves with all of these wonderful verbs that were put into this text by the writer Paul, we have to go back to verse 9b and 10, where it says, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Stripping off the old practices in the first century was commonly known as what you did when you got baptized. You changed your ways, you became a part of a community that was not looking out for self, but was looking out for one another. You shared all of your gifts and all of your resources so that all would have, all could eat, all could be protected from the oppressive regime of Rome. But when you were asked to clothe yourself in this newness, in this text, Paul is actually hearkening back to creation in Genesis, Genesis 1, verse 26, where God gives dominion to humankind as a celebration over humanity and over the world and over nature, dominion over not to rule, but dominion over to care for. Why is it important for us to think about being new and dressing ourselves in a new outfit on this day? Because we have work to do, that's why. We have work to do. So my sermon title, as you see in the bulletin, is Dressing to Impress for the Work at Hand. Dressing to impress at the work of ha at hand. Why is it important to think about what we're wearing? I'm not talking about this or what you're wearing or what's in your closet. I'm talking about what are you wearing so that when people see you, they know 
that there's something about you, something about you that has been called by God and called by Jesus Christ to be something different in this world. It's almost as if we are walking in another direction against the crowds. And they look at us and see something new in us, and they say, well, maybe I want to see where they're going. But more importantly, it is so, so important that we think about this metaphor about dressing to impress, to do a new thing in the world. I used to live in Cape May, New Jersey, where I worked with young people. I worked with young people in the aftercare for boot camp. I worked with them um, at a counseling organization, Cape Counseling. I worked with young people about 300 a year. And I used to do this exercise with them called a three-question exercise. I gave them three questions. They had seven minutes to write it down very quickly, and then I would process it with them. The first question was very simple. It's basically simply, what is it about your generation that's going to make you great leaders for the future? They had a hard time thinking about positive things about themselves, but they came up with stuff. You know, we're technologically savvy. We're better at race relations. We're better at understanding people's feelings, they said. The second question was the harder question. It was, what do you think the adult generation thinks about your generation? And after they sat there stupefied for the first moment, they started writing things down that were all negative. I said, remember, uh, some of us do love you, <laughs> so you can't put down a few good things. The third question is, how would you like to be viewed by, your, by the older generation? But it was the processing of the second question that came to mind to me when I was thinking about this sermon. One young man was writing on the board, and as I was reading out the responses, I saw unwanted mistake, not worthwhile, and a few other choice words that I won't repeat from the pulpit. And then when we were talking and processing it as a group, you know what this young person said? He said, that's what I wear, that's what I hear at home every single day. I hear it from my aunts, I hear it from my father, I hear it from my mom when she's mad at me. After we took a break, I went to his teachers and I said, how's he doing in school? He's a discipline problem. He's failing out. Nobody really likes him on the teaching staff. The principal is sick and tired of him. And I said, do you realize the coat that this child wears when they come to school? They were wearing the clothing, as it were, of being unwanted, of being unloved, of being a mistake, and they carried themselves through the world with those monikers and those adjectives every single day. So why should they behave in school? Why should they even bother excelling at school? 
Why should they even bother trying to be liked? It's one of the most powerful moments of doing that exercise, and I've done it hundreds of times. But it got me thinking, what do we wear? How do we cultivate how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about our relationship with God, how we feel about our relationship with Christ, how we feel about our relationship with the Holy Spirit? How do we go through the world and present ourselves to others. And in reading the text, I was like, thank you. We are given an entire wardrobe. Hear this now. What are we to wear? Well, we are to wear compassion. We are to wear kindness, humility. We are to wear meekness and patience. And above all, what the world needs to see us wearing we are to clothe ourselves with love. This is our work. This is the work that we do in cultivating our relationship with the divine. These are the qualities that we can put on and there's something divine about these qualities because when you put these on, the world actually sees them. You will be surprised that when you're sitting on a subway or a bus or even in the back of a cab, somebody will notice something different about you. They'll speak to you. They'll ask you a question. You might even get the question, do you believe in God? Aristotle talked about so much of these qualities, of how do you carry these qualities inside of yourself so that people know you before you even walk into the room. And his example is such a beautiful example. Cicero was one of the greatest senators in the Roman time. But it wasn't just what he did on the Senate floor. Cicero was given respect for how he lived his life. And when he walked into that chamber with all the craziness that was going on in the middle of the Senate, in the middle of the politics of Rome, when Cicero walked in the room, there was a hush because people knew him by his character, by what he wore. This striving to be known by what we wear and who we are may be ancient, but it is not extinct. It is a classic way of being. 
is a classic understanding of how we, those of us who profess to hold to these claims of righteousness, truth, justice, compassion, meekness, humility, the list goes on and on. This is our call. Now, what does this have to do with Stewardship Sunday? When you make your commitment, and when you make your commitment and your pledge, what happens if you do it with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and love? And you pray about what that means to you. When you do that, and when you drop that card into the font, what you're doing is you're making a statement about this community. We're not just giving our pledge because it's the thing to do. That may have been the standard way of financing churches back in the day, but now we want to know not what we can get for our money, but what is the investment of the ministries that we are sending out into the world. I am investing for ministry impact. And I say this at St. James all the time. Is the door being open and the lights being on? What kind of ministry is that? Well, guess what? For someone who is walking down the street, who sees that there is a haven and a sanctuary, not a church, a sanctuary on the corner of 73rd and Madison as they're going through their business, there is a time to exhale and say, there is and there are beacons of hope and kindness and love in the middle of this crazy world. So even just paying the light bill is ministry. Opening the doors is ministry. Hearing the strains of the music on the street is ministry. And you are dressing yourself in these qualities as a, as a bold statement for what you, as a member, want represented in the ministries of Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. I'll say it again. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love. one more really important thing to understand about Stewardship Sunday. And that is be thankful. We give because we are thankful. We give because we want others to find out about this holy magic that we have. Community, 
faith, trust, somebody we can go to in the still of the night when tragedy befalls us. Part of the reason we come to church on Sunday is an innate desire to have the world know what we know when we sit in these pews in the best of times. And even when we sit in these pews at the worst of times, we do it together. We are called to dress ourselves to impress for the work that we are called to do by God. This Stewardship Sunday is more than just about money. It's about time and talent. It's about your gifts. The first time I actually asked our session members for a bio. For a bio, because I had to send out something to a grants person. And yesterday in our session meeting, I said, you know what, I think I'm going to ask for a bio from every session member. What they wrote about themselves, their life experience, why they were a member of St. James, why they decided to serve, humbled me, humbled me that these are the gifts that they are bringing to the world. And as I look out in this congregation, some of you I know, some of you I know of from Reverend Beverly, but I know of this church very well. I know what you do, and I know that you're excited that we are not coming out of the pandemic, but we are emerging from this experience of COVID into a brand new world. It is a new heaven and a new earth. So what you gonna do in it with your new outfit, with your new qualities that you are holding on to, that you are asking God to make more and more viable and real in you every day? What are you gonna do with it? You're gonna worship? You're gonna do your ministries? You're going to sing, you're going to pray, and it's going to be wonderful. This is what we're called to do. This is what you are called to do. These are words that I heard from your pastor, that you are excited about evangelism, that you're excited about outreach. And you have the unique distinction of one of the churches in the United States of America who kept giving during the pandemic. Do you realize that most churches saw between 25 and 56% decrease in their giving annually? 
but you all have faith and you all have hope. And you know that your intention behind your gift matters. Stewardship may be interpreted as an obligation, but in Genesis, do you know what Jacob says to God about the tithe? God has already brought him through a whole bunch of mess, brought him through time and time again, and he says, I will give you a tithe, not because I expect you to bless me, but because I'm so thankful for what you've already done and for your promises of eternity to love me and to hold me and to keep me. And I just want to give back and share to you, oh God. That's our mantra. That's what we hold on to. Your life in this church in any church is a blessed and valuable thing that this world so desperately needs. You know we need kindness. You know we need meekness. You know we need humility. You know we need patience. You know we need love. May your intentions always be to walk in the world this way. And by your offering and your tithing and your stewardship of your time and your talent, may this church be a beacon for a hurting world that needs some hope that needs some love, that needs some of that inside kind of joy that nobody can take away from you. These are the words of Paul, yes, for a closed community of a church that was having issues but Paul always speaks of solutions. Sometimes they're faulty for our time period, but he's got it right on the money here. I hope and I pray that you get this divine understanding as you walk in the world that your gifts and your promises are so much more than what you write on a piece of paper. They are your testimony and your witness to the world. So dress to impress. Y'all got work to do and you are finally equipped to do so. And for that I say, thanks be to God. <laughs>